Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Welcome to the program. I truly hope everyone is in the mood to hear something spooky. Now before I get started, however, I have a very important announcement to make. My upcoming trip to the Mothman Festival in Point Pleasant, West Virginia has officially been cancelled. I intended to fly to Ohio last night to helped my mom with a few home improvement projects. But we found out just before I was set to leave for the airport that her shipment of materials would not arrive until well after I was already back home in California. So, we've rescheduled. So to those attending that were hoping to run into me, I truly apologize. But sometimes, that's just how it goes. There will be other events, and hopefully, I'll see you at one of them. Now, I have a killer show lined up for the evening, so without further fanfare, let's get this thing started. We're going to kick things off with a black cat tale. The following comes to us from Eric in the state of California. Hey Derek, this is Eric. I am calling from Palm Springs, California. I'm here for a little bit, enjoying the heat. In any case, I heard a black cat story, and I didn't know that this was a uh, thing, because I have a pretty intense experience with one, and it takes place actually in Israel, in Jerusalem. Uh, I was on a trip with, uh, as well as in college my sophomore year, in 2010. Yeah, 2010. Anyway, uh, we were at the site, like uh, Joseph's Tomb, which is this beautiful garden. It's facing this place called the Skull in, in Bible and uh, certain of the Gospels. The, Jesus is crucified as a, at a place called the Skull. And in Jerusalem, there's a mountain that looks like a, a skull. The face of the mountain looks like a skull. So Joseph's Tomb, uh, where Jesus would have maybe been laid to rest and that's where the scene of him not being there and being risen is there and they built this garden on top of this mountain is a graveyard and it looks like a very old graveyard because the graves are very lopsided but it gives you a good idea of the scale of how big the mountain is how far away we are from that and so my group and I are listening to the tour guide and we're looking at this and above my tour guide's head 
in this graveyard on the Skull Mountain or Golgotha is this huge black cat. And I've never seen a cat this big. And there's no way it's like a house cat. This is like a panther or a jaguar or something. But it is a big black cat. And I realize how big it is because it's crawling over the tombstones. And uh, these tombstones, even if they are uh, like regular tombstones, I know they're actually pretty large because this is a famous like archaeological historical site. A lot of tourists come here and it's not trying to hide. And I actually nudge my friend Tony that's sitting right next to me as I am speechless one because I can't believe something this big is this close to me even though it's up on the mountain I mean the size of it versus <laughs> the time it would take it to come down this huge hill uh, I was pretty shook I asked Tony if he saw it I didn't want to interrupt the whole group and say hey everybody look at this big black cat but I also was in shock enough because this thing was huge and I was it was so unexpected to see and Tony saw it as well and we kind of just stood there in awe um, and yeah I didn't know that black cat sightings were a thing um, and I don't know I tried to see if something like that is indigenous to Israel and I mean in the middle of a middle of a city center like Jerusalem uh, it just seemed very out of place but I witnessed it and one of my good friends witnessed it and uh, yeah so if anybody has anything like that I mean it was just kind of roaming through this graveyard um, that's on above of where Jesus may have been crucified and buried and resurrected and all this. So I've seen the Passion of the Christ and things like that. Um, I don't know if it was some type of form of evil incarnate. Uh, I did have a dream that I was speaking to a big black cat, like a black panther, prior to that. So everything seemed to kind of click with me, but I can't remember exactly what I was speaking with the panther about and i know from my research like spirit animals it's one of the more powerful ones so i don't know i don't think it's happenstance but it'd be interesting to see if anybody else had something similar in israel if it is an indigenous cat then maybe i'm you know blowing something out of proportion but something that big wandering the streets of jerusalem uh it's pretty intimidating to say the least anyway really appreciate the show uh thanks for listening and i don't know we all here bye-bye Thank you, Eric. Now, as it turns out, the leopard is indigenous to Israel, and they've been known to be melanistic. Melanistic being the opposite of albinism, so an all-black cat. But there's a hang-up here. Leopards are extremely rare in that part of the world, and their numbers are dwindling each and every year. So the chances that Eric saw one of these elusive creatures one of maybe a dozen in the entire country, and a black one to boot. That just doesn't seem all that likely. Now, of course, that's not to say it's more likely that he saw a specter cat or something along those lines. But that leaves us with the question of what did he see? Is it a creature similar to the black dog legends of the UK? A bit of a protector of the area, or was it simply someone's escaped pet? Thank you again, Eric, for taking the time to share your tale. Now, our next story is delivered to us via the state of Maine. The following was submitted by Jen. 
Hi, Derek. This is Jen in Maine. Um, I'm actually calling about something that happened when I went to college in Illinois in 1996. I was staying in a dorm and I had a roommate who was away on a vacation. It was really close to a holiday and she left early. And I was in the habit of getting late night phone calls from my boyfriend at the time because he was in Marine Corps training camp a few time zones away. So I would commonly get calls around 1 a.m. and answer them. So one night I was asleep and my phone rang and it startled me awake like it always did because I kept the ringer turned all the way up. And I tripped over a person who happened to be sitting on the bed next to mine. Our beds were parallel. They were sitting on the bed facing me, almost like leaning forward on their elbows. And when I tripped over the person, I apologized and patted them on the head. And I felt in my hand, like the the natty texture of my roommate's hair. She was African-American and she had a very specific texture to her hair. So I patted the person's hair and then ran off to the phone, answered it, and then um, was struck by the fact that my roommate wasn't there. So I turned my light on. And sure enough, there was no one in the room with me and there was nothing to trip over because our school had very strict rules about room cleanliness. So there was absolutely nothing on the floors between the beds. And furthermore, I checked the door and it was also locked. So needless to say, I got up and spent the night in another friend's room. But I just thought you would find that interesting, um, a shadow person that had tangible feelings, a tangible quality to them. Anyway, thanks. I love your show. been binging it for a few months now, and uh, I hope you can use this. Thanks. Thanks, Jen. Now, it's not all that often that someone reports actually touching an entity, be it a ghost or shadow person or something else. So this is a bit exciting for me. Now, I wonder if there were any other odd details noticed when she touched the bean's head. Was it cold or staticky? So thank you again, Jen, for sharing that tale. For our next story, we stay in the Northeast. The following comes to us from Kyle in the state of New York. Hey, Garrett. I have a story. Well, it happened, obviously, but uh, this occurred in the year 2000 during Easter break. I was about 12 years old and uh, staying at my aunt's house. I was around the east side of Lake Monroe in central Florida. It was like a swamp, kind of swampland off the east uh, side of that lake. And uh, me and my dad went to some stock car races, nothing big, you know, just some back country, central Florida stuff, I guess, and uh, we were there pretty late. I want to say we left around, I don't know, between 11 and 12, and uh, the ride back was a good, you know, good drive. We got back, I want to say it was around between 1 and 2, and uh, we're driving on a highway that runs along the east side of Lake Monroe, and my aunt she was fairly well off, you know, they had a nice big house 
in the woods, swampy woods in central Florida. We turn off this main highway that ran along the lake and it's, uh, it turns off onto a dirt road and my aunt lived off that dirt road. And uh, so we're, we're heading up the dirt road, I want to say quarter of a mile, maybe eighth of a mile. And her driveway to her house was, uh, we would have took it right off of that. So it's late at night and we're, we're heading up that road and we're about to hit the driveway. We're, you know, we're about to take the right turn off and right past maybe 15 to 20 feet past the driveway. Uh, we saw off the ground, and this is all wooded, you know, deeply in the woods, swamps around and stuff, and a, a red orb in the air, I'd say about uh, 20 feet off the ground. We stopped, you know, before we take that right to my aunt's house. And I just, the one thing I remember for sh- is uh, my dad saying, you know, what the hell is that? And we really just sat there and not saying anything, staring at this thing. It was a red orb, I'd say between the size of a basketball and a beach ball, you know, around that diameter. And, you know, it was glowing red, a deep red, not quite blood red, but, all, you know, pretty dark red. It was glowing. We watched it for about, I don't know, I'd say 10 to 15 seconds. And then it shot off into the woods, up into the right into the woods. You know, I don't know how fast it was going. It's hard to tell things like that. You know, could have been going a thousand miles an hour, a hundred, but like in the blink of an eye, pretty much it was gone. And we sat there, and then we finally took the right, go to my aunt's house. Me and my dad get back. We get back to the house, and we go into the guest house. For some reason, you know, between one and two a.m. in the morning, my cousin who lived there and my friend who was on vacation with us were up, like, you know, that late, and uh, they're at the open, you know, big open window in the guest house, listening out into the woods around the house, and all the, they heard a bunch of animals going crazy. When we got back, you know, the, you know, we still heard what sounded like a bunch of animals in the woods of Florida going crazy. And I asked them, I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? They're like, oh, yeah, we you know, for, you know, the past whatever, 10 minutes, been hearing all the animals going nuts, you know, make calling and stuff. And uh, I told him about what happened. My buddy was blown away. And that was really it. The animals died down a little after that. We ended up going to bed. Any time after that, uh, my dad says he doesn't remember much of it. I think he had some drinks more at these stop car races. And he, he you know, he, I think that might be one of the particular reasons he doesn't remember it as good as I do. But a strange thing, years later, you know, I'd, I'd bring it up and he'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and kind of brush it off. I think he's kind of uncomfortable dealing with it because he doesn't know what it was, you know, from that older generation. But the one time he says, uh, Look, I think I, I remember seeing an owl that night. And that you know, a bell went off because at that point I'd done a bunch of research and I know, you know, owls come up in a lot of cases with UFOs and stuff like that. And, uh, I guess I'd just like to hear your, you know, your thoughts on it, all that stuff. And, uh, I know a lot of cases, UFOs or whatever, Bigfoot, whatever it is, 
everything goes silent in the woods. But in this case, we didn't hear it until I got back. But, you know, there's all the animals in the woods going crazy. I wonder if you heard any other cases going crazy or, you know, dogs barking or whatever. And uh, UFOs like this or anything like that. All right, thanks, man. Thank you, Kyle. I certainly can't say that I've ever heard of an entire forest worth of animals fleeing at once. At least, not outside of Hollywood. But this story did remind me of several Sasquatch flaps that involved missing dogs. The Missouri Monster being one of them, Momo. And the Siege of Hanobia, in Oklahoma being another. Then, you're left with this pesky red orb. Well, believe it or not... Some Sasquatch sightings are reported in tandem with glowing orbs or spook light sightings. Though it seems a majority of those encounters described a blue light rather than a red one. So obviously I'm not suggesting a Sasquatch is to blame, but I couldn't help but notice those loose parallels. And I thought I would, at the very least, bring them up. Thank you again, Kyle, for taking the time to share your story. Now the next story is a bit of a strange one and comes to us from my state of California. The following is Mark's Call. Hey Derek, my name is Mark and I'm from California. I got a quick story for you. What happened about a month ago when I was over here at work. I work on a, on a dairy farm um, and I'm the only one outside at night. The dairy is very, very big. So there's only a little bit of spots of light, and the rest is just pitch black and just dark. I'm in charge of everything, so I just go make my rounds and stuff. One day, like around 3, 3.30 in the morning, I was in the back with the feed trucks, and I was getting them ready so the cows could eat. I heard some voices behind the hay barn, so I went back there, and I didn't see anybody. So I was like, huh. So that was kind of weird, so I went back into the front to do what I was doing again. Again, I heard people talking. I went back there again and I didn't see anybody again. Like, everything had stopped. And so I decided to hop in the loader just to wait and just see if I hear it, then I can turn on the lights because the way it was parked, it was like, it was facing that way but in the dark. So I hopped in there and then I remember slowly at this point it's 3.35 a.m. and I put the seat back and I remember I put my alarm on on my phone for eight minutes so I could rest and, you know, like, like take a little power nap and just instantly, like almost instantly, it was weird because I woke up and, and I'm in this room. There's a door in front of me. It opens up and immediately this guy, he rushes me with the knife and his face, he has no facial expression. He has no nothing. I jump out the way and he trips and he just falls lifeless on the floor. So at first, I'm like, what is that, you know, like, and then, like, he didn't make the noise, he wasn't breathing or nothing. All of a sudden, there was another door that opened up. The other door that opened up, there was two two beings. There was a very tall man with a crow face, like he has a mask of a crow. And there's a guy next to him, his face is contorted, like twisted, like smiling and twisted. Um, he had like a, he had like a suit on. But I'm budding, and uh, he he comes after me, and he he rushes me, and he grabs my wrist, trying to pull me in. 
as soon as that happens, his his suit opens up and he has he has like a saw blade in his stomach in his stomach, just spinning like it's on, like it's powered, just spinning around. And he's trying to pull me into the blade. So our hands are immediately just just all locked on together. I pull him down, and he falls on top of it and makes he makes he no sound or no movement. I look up at the crow being and he turns around, closes the door, and I wake up. I wake up, I'm in the loader, and immediately I'm sweating, like, bad, you know? Um, I freaking look at my wrist, and the crazy part was there was handprints on my wrist, and they were extremely hot. I get off of the loader, and I'm I'm calling, you know, ass all the way to the front of the dairy just to get out of the area on the tractor, and I feel like there was something breathing on on the back of, of my neck while I was driving. crazier part was when I got to the front of the dairy, 45 minutes I went by the whole experience. I still had three minutes left on my timer. And like I said, I woke up sweating like in a matter of five, like that, all that happened in a matter of five minutes. And I was like extremely sweating. There was no heater on inside the loader. It was almost impossible. I, I am almost sure I got into an altercation with the, with some demonic forces. Anyway, hope to make it on the show. I love the show. Keep the good work. Thank you, Mark. Now, normally I would shy away from a strange dream submission, but this one's just a little bit different. You have the element of missing, or at least shifting time, as well as the physical marks left on Mark's arm. Now, I couldn't even make a guess as to what could be behind this. But I thought maybe in sharing it, we might dust off a few clues, at the very least. So if anyone else out there has heard of or experienced something similar to what Mark has just described, do us a favor, reach out. In the meantime, we'll keep asking those questions, Mark. But thank you for sharing your story. Now, before I visit the last couple calls of the evening, I have a few announcements I need to touch on. I have great news for Patreon supporters. A new episode posted earlier this week, the first of a new segment I'm calling The Scariest Things You've Ever Heard. This week, I sat down with Blurry Photos' David Flora to discuss cannibals, ghost stories, and what scares him. A $4 pledge and up gets you access to that episode and many, many more. While you're poking around on the internet, be sure to follow the show on all the popular social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, to be more specific. And be sure to join the Facebook group while you're at it. It's like the Facebook page, only a lot more fun. And lastly, if you have a story you would like shared on the show... Simply call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can visit the website at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the Report Your Sightings tab for anonymous options. And don't forget, I am still looking for outdoorsmen and outdoors women calls. So if you had a freaky encounter while you were hunting, or birdwatching, or collecting mushrooms... We want to hear about it. When you do send that submission in, be sure to mention Outdoorsman early in the call so I can search my email and find your call more easily. 
And that pretty much does it for tonight's announcements. So let's move on to our next call. Coming to us from one of my favorite states, the following was submitted anonymously from the state of Oregon. Hi, I'm 12 years old and I live in Oregon and this is a time where me and my dad went on a train and saw a black-eyed man. So we got on the train and then after a while of sitting down on the seats, I look behind me and there's a man sitting down and he has pitch black eyes with no pupil or anything and he's just sitting there. He had a hat on, was a black man, yeah, and he was nicely dressed. And yeah, he just had black eyes. Thanks for letting me tell my story. Thank you, caller. Now, believe it or not, there are actually several logical explanations to explain why this gentleman's eyes could have appeared black. The first, and possibly most obvious, is the use of contact lenses. These are fairly affordable and easy to get at most Halloween stores or online year-round. Now, the second cause is more medical in nature. There's actually a disorder known as aniridia, which results in the absence of the iris, typically in both eyes as a result of injury or birth defect. Now granted, I'll be the first to admit that the appearance of an eye with aniridia looks nothing like the description given of the notorious black-eyed children, which I can only assume is the phenomenon we're dealing with here. And since I almost never get to share stories about the black-eyed kids, I did some digging and found one that I can share. The following story comes to us from Cabin Nightmare Stories. Hi, I'm Glenn. I'm 58 years old and live in Tampa. This story happened to me yesterday after a concert my wife and I attended. We went to this restaurant pretty late. It was a huge restaurant and it wasn't that busy. They sat us what seemed like the furthest part where we were all alone, which I thought was weird. After about five minutes, they sat this girl right next to us, which seemed weird because there must have been 20 empty seats all around us, and they put her right next to us. I was completely drawn to her and intrigued. I don't know what it was. I just couldn't stop staring at her. She was just your normal-looking girl. She had glasses, black hair, a pink shirt, and jeans. Maybe it was because she was by herself. I don't know. I just couldn't stop. Like, I knew something was going to happen with this girl. Something was telling me. Tampa had real bad storms coming in, and I wanted to get home before they arrived. So we ordered fast, and I just kept looking over at her, and I noticed my wife doing the same thing. This girl did not say a word. No waiters or waitresses came over to take her order. She just sat there. I started to hear thunder outside. I told my wife, you almost ready to go? She said, yes, I'm ready. I asked the waiter for the bill, and my wife kicked me underneath the table. I looked over at the girl and she was looking at me with the deepest, darkest, black eyes I have ever seen in my life. 
At this point, it was the most unbelievable thing I have ever witnessed in my life. Just then, the restaurant went completely black. They had lost power. I could hear thunder crashing outside. We sat in complete darkness for about 15 seconds. When the lights turned back on, the girl was gone. There was no trace of her anywhere. My wife goes, where did she go? I said, was she even ever there in the first place? I asked the waiter if he saw her too. He said he did, so I wasn't crazy. I went home and did some research and found a lot of articles on black eyed kids. As soon as I read it, I knew that's what I witnessed. Full disclosure, I cannot determine if this is a fictional telling or a retelling of a real-life encounter, but my instinct says it's the former. So, take this story with a large grain of salt. True or not, the story is interesting and is pretty par for the course with a lot of these black-eyed kid sightings. And like our friends, the mirrored men, those black-eyed kids are downright spooky. Thank you again, caller, for taking the time to share your experience. All right, we only have a couple more stories to share. So up next is another anonymous submission from the state of Pennsylvania. Hey, Derek. Uh, I love your show. Um, I have one story. It's actually my brother's story. He lives in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania. And to start this off, you have to know that my brother is not in any way, shape, or form into cryptozoology or any kind of Bigfoot or aliens or anything like that. Uh, that's all me. It's not him. But anyways, so he's getting ready to move from one end of town to the other, same town. And uh, so he's getting ready to move, and he's got uh, four or five kids in the house at one time. So he's got to move all these beds. And he's in the house alone, and he's got Santa locks with him. And he's getting ready to take apart a headboard, take it downstairs. So he's by himself, and he's down at the bottom of the bed. And he goes to loosen one of the bolts. And he flips his finger a little bit. And he goes, ah, son of a... So he yells real loud. And when he looks over, he sees um, what looks like shoes and the bottom of a skirt from about the 1800s or so. And by the time he looked up to see the face, there was nobody there. So he gets up, starts walking around, walks downstairs to see if he can find anybody or anything. He doesn't find anything. But as he's doing this, he has a channel lock still in his hand. So he's making the clicky noise you can make with him, like tap, tap, tap. like. So he's all nervous. So while he's downstairs looking, he leaves the channel lock on the counter. So he goes back upstairs, and he's up there, and he's like, oh, I forgot my channel lock downstairs. And he hears the clicking again. He goes, so at that point, he stops and just runs out of his house. So I don't know if this is maybe just the energy because he was he got hurt, he got mad. Maybe the anger brings out energy that can manifest the ghost. Maybe I don't know, but for him, he got pretty freaked out about this, and he doesn't believe in ghosts or Bigfoot, aliens, or anything like that. And I thought it was an interesting story, and I hope you can use it. Thanks, bye. This is getting a little bit weird. Just last week, I had several people come up to me after one of my talks at Crypticon to tell me about the apparitions they saw, or should I say, half of the apparitions they saw. In addition, I've also discussed quite a few 
half-apparition videos on the upcoming season of Paranormal Caught on Camera, so perhaps this sighting has been around for a long time. But it's kind of weird that I'm just now hearing a lot about it. I'm not exactly sure why we'd only be able to see half of an entity, and typically it's the bottom half and not the top half, but what would this show be without a couple mysteries? Thank you again, caller, for sharing that experience. And that brings us to our final call of the evening. The following was submitted by Andrew in the state of Oklahoma. Hey Derek, this is Andrew from Oklahoma City. And uh, my experience takes place in a little wildlife reserve called Martin Nature Park. Uh, I usually walk a lap or two around it in the mornings, early mornings. I gotta admit, I'm a little bit of a antisocial person. So if I pull up into the parking area and there's any other cars, I'll typically just leave and go walk around a nearby lake or something like that. So on this particular day, I pull up, there's no cars there. So I get ready for my little mild hike. And uh, I get probably 10 minutes into the hike and I notice on the left side of the trail, probably a hundred foot up, I see this guy leaning up against a tree and he's just staring out uh, into this little clearing. And I, I assume that he's looking at some sort of wildlife. So I, I try to be as quiet as I can as I approach. And, and the, the trail is made up of like crushed gravel. So it's near impossible to, to be silent whenever you are walking on it. But uh, as I get closer, I realize that uh, he's not looking at any kind of wildlife at all. He's just kind of creepily staring out into nothing so as i approach i you know awkwardly say good morning uh, to which i get zero reply he just stays completely quiet so i just pass on by and I, I think in my head well you know it's a it's a kind of a pretty peaceful place maybe he's meditating or something like this and uh, i continue on but as i continue down I'm, I'm trying to be aware of my surroundings now that i know that somebody's out there and so i peek back a couple times uh, to make sure, you know, that if he's following me, if he's staying there. And he was. He was just staying right there where he was. Um, so I get far enough down the trail that I don't see him anymore. And, and I just go about the morning enjoying the, the wildlife and this and that. And I get probably, I'd say another, I don't know, probably another mile into the into the walk there. And uh, there's this group of deer standing over on the off in this clearing. And so I stop and, and I get out my phone and, and take some pictures and, and that kind of thing. And the deer there are pretty used to people because it's a nature preserve and, and there's tons of people that go through there. Well, they start, you know, kind of moving away from me. So I, I put my phone up and uh, before I can start back down the trail, this guy is standing a foot or two off of my right shoulder and scares me to death. And so I jump back. And I'm startled to see this guy standing there, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how did he get here. And keep in mind, I can see probably a, at least a couple hundred foot in both directions up and down the trail from where I'm standing. And like I said before, there's that, that crushed gravel, so it, it makes noise when you walk on it. So all this is running through my mind, and he's staring out into the abyss through me, through the deer, and he just says, there's, they're beautiful, aren't they? And I'm, you know, freaked out at this point, so... I, I try to kind of shuffle away from him, but not be rude. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're beautiful. And uh, I said, uh, have you 
seen a lot of you know critters out this and this morning you know uh, i'm just trying to get away from them but not be uh, you know a jerk or anything like that and i don't get any reply at all so i turn around and the guy is gone I, i don't see him anywhere and like i said before i can see up and down the trail in both directions uh, it's a wooded area off the trail, but it's it's Oklahoma, you know, blackjack trees. You can see through them. It's not like, you know, it's it's really really uh, hard to see through. He didn't go off into the woods. He's not a- either direction up and down the trail. So I could tell he was wearing dark clothing. I'm colorblind, so I couldn't give you the exact color of what clothing he was wearing. But you know, just a regular shirt, regular pants, you know, but they were dark colored. And uh, he looked like he may have been, I don't know, maybe 35, somewhere in there, mid-30s, something like that. I wasn't, I was creeped out at the situation, but I wasn't, like, I didn't seem like, you know, I had to be worried about him or anything like that. He didn't seem aggressive. In fact, I only heard him say a few words, but he seemed really peaceful and, and kind of, you know, gave that zen vibe. But, uh yeah, it kind of shook me up a little bit. Like I said, I mean, you know, it may not be paranormal, but and I, I ran through different scenarios of, you know, was he uh, homeless? Did he live out in the woods? Uh, how did he get there? Because once again, when I got back to the parking lot at the end of all this, there was still no cars in the parking lot. So he didn't drive in. So as best I could tell, you know, trying to rationalize it, he must have walked in and I must have just been so distracted that I didn't see where he went or something. He had to have gone into the woods. Like I said, I could see into the woods very clearly, but uh, I'm just trying to to figure out, you know, a a reasonable explanation for it. So it freaked me out pretty good. And just a couple minutes after I kind of gathered my thoughts, I was like, man, I need to probably call my wife and let her know what happened. So I called her and and let her know exactly where I was just in case, you know, she needed to find my body or something if something crazy went down. But uh, I've been out there dozens of times since and haven't seen him or experienced anything like that. But anyway, thanks for listening to my experience and uh, thank you so much for the podcast. Thank you, Andrew. Something off-putting about the vulnerability we have when we're outdoors like that. There's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. Whatever we're faced with, we have to deal with. And unfortunately, that's difficult to do when the thing that you're dealing with simply disappears. Though I suppose, like Andrew said, there could be a logical explanation here. Maybe the guy was trying to play a prank on him and simply ducked behind a tree. Or maybe he was extremely fast and ran away quickly and quietly. But judging by Andrew's description, neither of those logical explanations seem to fit this story whatsoever. So like Mark's call from earlier this evening, if you have any information on this type of sighting, maybe this has happened to you. Maybe it's happened to you in the exact same park. Give us a ring and let us know about it. With each new story that's uncovered, we get a little bit closer to the answer. Thank you again, Andrew, for sharing that terrifying tale. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Warren Pon Abbott, Eddie Lloyd, and Tony Bell. 
All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And that bone-chilling music you're listening to, that's Coag music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. I wouldn't leave you hanging. Tonight's bonus story comes to us from the state of Pennsylvania and was submitted by Freaked Out in McKeesport. Hello. Had a very weird thing happen just last night, August 7th, 2019. We live in a small community on a hilltop overlooking a small marina near McKeesport, Pennsylvania. It was somewhere between 7 and 7.30 p.m., and the sky was dark, and it had been looking like it was going to rain for about an hour or so. I was standing at my bathroom window, just watching the storm clouds. Not much can be seen from that window, just my neighbor's rooftop to the right, and lots and lots of trees to the left. There's a road back there that runs up the hill through the shallow valley, and also more houses on the hilltop on the opposite side of the road, but they can't be seen for all the trees. That hilltop is slightly higher, so the trees on that side are taller. There was no air moving whatsoever. I glanced to the left toward the trees, just as I was about to step away from the window, and that's when I saw movement. It looked like something gigantic, but invisible. It was moving through the trees. I could actually see them moving as if they were being pushed aside and held there by a giant hand until whatever it was had passed and this followed a very distinct path. I can't even begin to imagine what could have done that. These are full-grown trees, around 50 to 60 feet tall. And as I said, there was no air moving, and it wasn't raining. I know of no weather phenomenon that could do that anyway. I watched it for probably close to a minute, until whatever it was had cleared the tree line. I heard no noise, felt no vibration, and saw no disturbance in the air. So what the heck was it? I'm still scratching my head. Sincerely, freaked out in McKeesport. Well, thank you for submitting that story. And I'm with you. I'm not entirely sure what would cause something like that. But there are a few clues in the story that could send me in the right direction. The submitter mentioned that it was about to rain so we know inclement weather is at least approaching. And anyone that's lived in the Midwest, including Pennsylvania, knows of the threat of tornadoes. So my thought here is, is it possible that a very small tornado went through the trees? 
and was able to push them aside without the submitter actually seeing said tornado. I've actually never laid eyes on one myself. I've seen dust devils, I've seen funnel clouds, but I've never seen, with my own eyes, a full-blown tornado. So this theory could be completely thrown out the window. Perhaps even small tornadoes are very visible. The bottom line is that, just like everyone else, I have no idea what this person saw. But I'm very happy they decided to share the story. So thank you for that submission, and thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a great night.